Hey, welcome back to Trista Picabinator Show. And today we're going to listen to Regression to Atlantis, Regina Meredith on Open Minds. Here's the write-up. Many people are now discovering that ancient connections to Atlantis. Sarah Brussman Cosme is a hypnotist and past life progressionist who trained with Dolores Cannon's protocol and now uses quantum healing hypnosis technique. QHHT to help her clients overcome their negative beliefs and find purpose. Her book, A Hypnotist's hypnotist, hypnotist Journey to Atlantis, describes her path to uncover information about Atlantis and Lemuria. Ah, Lemuria in past lives. She explains how remembering these past lives can help humanity release collective trauma. Okay, let's go. By the way, get your own subscription. It's only 12 bucks a month. Best programming in the universe. A client could come in and literally heal themselves with just one session. And she went back to her team of specialists and they said that there was no... There was no trace. Was, yeah, there yeah. was no trace of it. And they couldn't understand how that was possible. It was a medical miracle. So I regressed her to go back to the time when she was in a mental hospital. In our first regression, her higher self, her subconscious, said that she needed to find out all this information, just share it with the world, because it was so important for us to find out this information. We need it desperately. When they escaped, they were cold and hungry. They hadn't had that type of experience on their planet before. She understood that the crash itself, all of this, was intended. I've often said that it will be our collective memory that will piece together the story of Atlantis and Lemuria. Toward that end, Sarah Breskman inadvertently dove into the subconscious memory of a client seeking hypnotherapy right to the bottom of Atlantis. What they both learned is chronicled in her book, A Hypnotist's Journey to Atlantis, and it's a wonderful adventure story. And it also is wonderful because it starts touching on things other people have recalled. It's not just this one person, but this one person was such a such a wonderful client to work with because of the clarity of what they could access that you really focused on it. So welcome, Sarah. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> this is wonderful. I mean, first of all, we want to talk about your background just a little bit because um, you were in uh, Dolores Cannon's School of Hypnotherapy, which is very specific in its protocols and especially about accessing deeper regression work and past life memory. And I personally had one. I had um, a regression done, a past life regression done by Dolores myself. So I understand a little bit about what you chose to um, chose to educate yourself along the line of, and I really appreciate it. So let's talk about why hypnotism and why Dolores Cannon's protocols and body of work. Well, I started out just as a person, a regular person with just a lot of problems. And that led me to traditional therapy. And in therapy, I thought it was very helpful, but I just didn't feel healed. And I, I thought it was nice, but that led me to go to college and I was going to become a psychologist. So I chose psychology and after I graduated, I got an internship where my job was basically to um, counsel and take care of mentally ill patients. And as I was working there, it didn't take me long to feel as if everything I had learned for me was a lie because I really wanted to help these people. That's always been my goal is to help others. And I didn't feel as if anybody ever got better. In fact, there were many suicides and many people that just suffered greatly from taking all the medications. And these were amazing people. Some of the people were actually speaking with aliens or angels and they were just so heavily medicated. So I wanted to figure out some way to help people and I became a hypnotist. And I first started out with lose weight, quit smoking, and, yeah, past, life, yeah, and past life regression um, hypnotherapy. But it didn't take me long to realize that there was something about the past life regression sessions. I mean, a client could come in and literally heal themselves with just one session. And so I delved into that more. And I studied with Dr. Brian Weiss in yes. New York. Mm -hmm. And I loved his method. I did that for quite a while. And then I found Dolores Cannon. And once I found her work, 
I was immediately hooked. I, it just, something in me clicked when I started studying with that method. And I worked my way up to become a level three QHHT practitioner, which is a master in that field. Mm -hmm. And um, before the quarantine, I was traveling all over the world with Dolores's daughter, Julia, mm -hmm. and I was assisting in the classes. And that is how I got here. I love it. And uh, I, someone told me about your book, someone in uh, I, my own little community, our neighborhood, Dot Earth, he came in and said, oh, I, because we all have open dialogue with each other. And he said, I read this book by this woman. It's really interesting because it has to do with a memory of Atlantis. And it, this person knew I have an interest in Atlantis. <laughs> I also had a little hypnotherapy clinic years ago. And like you, started out with smoking, weight loss. <laughs> Didn't really enjoy that as much. But I loved the regression work and past life regression work. And like you, I'm just saying, validate you. And, and from my perspective, I find that's where all the really good work came from, was going in and looking at these underlying patterns that we came from. So I respect very much what you do. Thank you. <laughs> so what's wonderful about you, too, is that you weren't uh, oriented toward the metaphysical in the sense of um, studying uh, esoteric ancient and alternative history. You didn't really know anything about Atlantis. That wasn't your bailiwick. And so when all these the stories started emerging, they were fresh and new to you. And you thought, what is this? And it's that innocence about you that really makes, for me, the story most interesting. And when you combine that with the innocence and lack of that previous knowledge of your client, Jen, here you have two people that have never don't know anything about this history, haven't even been curious about it, bringing through all this interesting information. So I just want to preface it with that. Now let's talk about Jen for a moment, because that's interesting in itself before we dive into the story. So it was fascinating because Jen had no knowledge of Dolores Cannon or any knowledge of Atlantis or Lemuria. So I thought that that would make her an excellent candidate, you know, for this because it brings a lot of validity yes. to this um, information. But I was put in the spot because I really needed a subject to regress for my level three class that was all of a sudden going to be in Orlando. So I had to find somebody I could regress and videotape to bring this submission to this class. And I don't know why I chose Jen because she was a teacher at the school and I knew she wasn't into any of this stuff. and. I just asked her, it was as if a thought just popped into my mind and I just went with that thought. But little did I know we were completely set up by the universe to do this work together. And it was so amazing because I was nervous of what she was gonna say when I told her, when I asked her if she would do this session with me because it, it had a lot to do with past lives and going inwards and finding out who you are and things like that. And I told her, you know, you can even heal your body if you have any issues. But I was so surprised because she said she had been looking for something like this because she hadn't told anyone, but she had a brain condition and she was very secretive about it. It was this brain condition called pseudotumor cerebri. And basically it mimicked a tumor and the uh, spinal fluid was causing um, habit, wrecking havoc on her brain. And it was causing things like severe headaches and lethargy. And there was even a high risk of stroke. And so she was working very closely with a team of specialists at the University of Miami. And they told her there's no cure for this, but we can put you on this heavy duty um, uh, string of pharmaceuticals. Basically, that was all they could do for her. So she was very eager to do this session with me. Once you said this can mm -hmm. work with physical conditions, yeah. And after the first session, she was completely healed. In fact, right after she left my office, she didn't take any more medication. Yeah. <laughs> and she went back to her team of specialists, and they said that there was no, they couldn't, they couldn't understand there was no how choice. that was... Yeah, there yeah. was no trace of it, and they couldn't understand how that was possible. It was a medical miracle. Well, or not, right? <laughs> I know. So, um, okay, so now let's go into when you and Jen first began doing your sessions, and she went into a past life that was in recent history, very mm -hmm. recent history. She's, how old is she now? She's in her She's 30, 30 yeah, 35. Yeah, that, yeah. 
Okay, so this was in recent history where she was trying to understand some things and talking about things that were not accepted to talk about, right? Go ahead and share the rest of that story and where it went. So, in her regression, in her first regression, she went to this past life where she was living in Sotheby's and she was, she was um, learning about different things through hypnosis, actually, where she was uncovering this lifetime that she made. She grew up in Lemuria and then became a prisoner for 60 years in Atlantis. And in that past lifetime, in the 70s, she started to share this information. She was called crazy, lobotomized, and eventually jumped off the Brooklyn Bridge. Oh, my God. Now, she did not consciously remember any of no. that in this lifetime. That was all blocked. Obviously, it did not take her somewhere she'd want to go again. Right. So she blocked it from herself. Now, you later went back in thinking, who, who were you, Jim? Can you see where this happened, where you were? And you did a little more detail work. And tell us what you found. So I regressed her to go back to the time when she was in the mental hospital and retrace her steps as she's leaving the mental hospital. And I had her turn around and look for a sign on the mental hospital. And at first she said it was very blurry, but she focused in and she saw the sign Bellevue. And then she retraced her steps to the Brooklyn Bridge and she noticed she was running in bare feet and it was in walkable distance. So later we Googled it to try to see. Because you didn't know Bellevue, no, it's been closed a long time. No. A horrid history, but yeah. Yeah, we found out there was a mental hospital called Bellevue. Mm -hmm. It was in walking distance to the Brooklyn Bridge. And also, um, one more thing, we, we found out that it closed in the 80s. I believe it has a different name now, but all of this just brought so much more validity to right. the whole story. Yeah, and we're talking off camera. Maybe it'd be great if you could get into public archives and find out if anyone yeah, jumped off the bridge to their death and had escaped from there. But anyway, yes. the point is you have that now, which is fascinating because you guys are both young and you don't necessarily know the history of Bellevue, and she certainly doesn't. She's even younger. So... Um, Again, this kind of uh, memory validating was to come. Oh, so we now, found out it was 1978. Okay, five years before she was born in this life. Yeah, and that is not uncommon from my understanding. When someone dies a death that's tragic, untimely, uh, suicide, oftentimes they'll come back into an incarnation. Or a young person who's lost their life to life in war will often come back pretty quickly into a new mm -hmm. incarnation. They don't wait yes. out the normal time you do when you're 95 and die and you need a little rest. That mm -hmm. doesn't, it's not the same. So she came back again, then what, in 80, what's her birthday, 80? Okay, she was left in 78, you said? Uh-huh. Okay, and you said she came back roughly five years later. So. Right. Okay, good. So around the early 80s. So now you start getting into the deep work of the uh, Lemurian slash Atlantean part and your story is going to come in too because you were regressed back into a very pertinent life in Atlantis to what she was witnessing. Right. right? So let's start with Lemuria because it's kind of crazy considering who she was. It was so fascinating for the both of us because we didn't know that much about Lemuria or Atlantis. So all of a sudden she was regressed to find out that she was a princess in Lemuria and it was actually called Amon by the people there, but she grew up as a princess. Her mother was the queen, the ruler, and she was...
part. You know what I want to do? I'm going to ask you if we can do this part prior to the. Are you still there? Oh, you are still there. Shit. <laughs> Hi there. We're going to get back to regression to Atlantis with this hypnotist. Copyright Gaia. A client could come in and literally heal. Fast forward. Have two people that have never, don't know anything about this history, haven't even been curious about it, bringing through all this interesting information. So I just want to preface it with that. Now let's talk about Jen for a moment, because that's interesting in itself before we dive into the story. So it was fast. Jen had no knowledge of Dolores Cannon or any knowledge of Atlantis or Lemuria. So I thought that that would make her an excellent candidate, you know, for this. Because it brings a lot of validity yes. to this um, information. But I was put on the spot because I really needed a subject to regress for my level three class that was all of a sudden going to be in Orlando. So I had to find somebody I could regress and videotape to bring this submission to this class. And I don't know why I chose Jen because she was a teacher at the school and I knew she wasn't into any of this stuff. Mm -hmm. And I just asked her. It was as if a thought just popped into my mind, and I just fast forward years in Atlantis. And in that past lifetime, in the 70s, she started to share this information. She was called crazy, lobotomized, and eventually jumped off the Brooklyn Bridge. Now, she did not consciously remember any of no. that in this lifetime. That was right. all blocked. Obviously, it, it did not take her somewhere she'd want to go again. Right. So she blocked it from herself. Now, you later went back in thinking, who who were you, Jen? Can you see where this happened, where you were? And you did a little more detail work. And tell us what you found. So I regressed her to go back to the time when she was in the mental hospital and retrace her steps as she's leaving the mental hospital. And I That's had her forward. turn around and look for a sign on well, the mental yeah. hospital. And at first she said it was very blurry, but she focused in and she gave him food and, and, and shelter. And um, Jen, who was a commander in that lifetime, developed a relationship with her because he knew that the reason he was there was basically to further their um, experiment, to connect with the humans, to start. And tell the story from there. Sure, so they were stranded. Their ship crashed into a, the side of a mountain and it was underneath the water as well. And they swam up, a few of them died. And when they escaped, they were cold and hungry and they hadn't. <clears throat> if we can do this part prior to that, when she first came to earth, she was oh, not okay. from here. Right. That I found really fascinating. It yes. was just. So fascinating because so in the, our first regression, her higher self or subconscious said that she needed to find out all this information, just share it with the world because it was so important for us as a human collective to find out this information. We need it desperately. So I wanted to start from the beginning when we decided to work together. So I told her subconscious, let's start from the beginning, from the beginning of the story that you want to start share. Tell yeah. Us. yeah. And we both thought she was going to go to her childhood in Lemuria, but instead she went to a different lifetime as an extraterrestrial coming to Earth for the very first time. And that is where the story begins. It was interesting because the people here were not as highly developed at the time and were living in tribal primitive kinds of patterns. Right. right. And she was a he, uh -huh. head of the crew, and the crew was stranded here, right? Right. Lost their... Mojo lost all desire to really live, couldn't see how they were going to get anything done in the okay. new environment. But he continued on and actually connected with the locals and tell the story from there. Sure. So they were stranded. Their ship crashed into a, the side of a mountain and it was underneath the water as well. And they swam up. A few of them died. And 
when they escaped, they were cold and hungry, and they hadn't had that type of experience on their planet before. But they did know how to um, escape their ship because they had practiced that once before. But they had no knowledge that this would happen to them. Now, after looking back at it, she realized it was all planned that way. So eventually then they met a human and they begged for help basically. And the human gave them food and, and, and shelter. And um, Jen, who was a commander in that lifetime, developed a relationship with her because he knew that the reason he was there was basically to further their um, experiment, to connect with the humans, to start a colonization. And he, once he connected with her, they eventually developed a relationship and they ended up having one successful child. I think she had like five births and they all died except yeah. one. Mm -hmm. And he was banished by this time because the cultures were clearly quite different. And right. she went back with her own people, but did raise that one child. And it was challenging for the child, as I recall, mm -hmm. because they were hybrid being basically. Right. That yeah. child was considered ugly. Yeah. But it was the start of so much. It was the start of that hybridization yeah. process. Yes, and so that was that was her piece of this story of the beginning. And one thing mm -hmm. that I note there that's interesting is she said that she was she understood that the crash itself, all of this, was intended. Now, the 20th anniversary of the disclosure event on UFOs um, took place relatively recently, and. Uh, in that, one of the subjects that keeps coming up in questions is, why do these crash? Could it be it's for intention? And so they're still debating that in that circle. And she knows nothing of this, but that's what right. she came up with, was that this was for intention. Yeah, and there were so many crashes all yeah. over the world. Yes. Strategically. Yes. Strategically, and there were a lot of hybridization uh, that started at that time. What I found really fascinating was what was going on in Antarctica because I had so many other clients regress to Antarctica where they started this colonization and they started growing things like humans and plants and stuff and they had to abandon their their posts there because disease snuck in. This is gonna come up again in the conversation. Yeah, <laughs> okay. the disease part. And also, if you look at the Perry Reese map and everybody pretty much knows that Antarctica used to be very much green. It was hospitable right. once upon a time, just not now. Right. So yes, you're getting these stories and there are other stories that start coming in from other people that don't know anything that are giving <laughs> pixels of their experience in the same place. And for me, that's what I like is to start seeing people having similar remembrances. Then those are little victor points we start paying attention to. And then more start coming in. So now we can go, he died. The child died. lived on. So now here she is in Lemuria, and it's a matriarchal society, okay? Mm -hmm. So let's continue on with what happened in that lifetime to her. Sure. Well, it was a matriarchal society because women held knowledge within them, and so they knew what plants were okay to eat and what plants would kill you, and that was very important knowledge that was passed through the subconscious from the mother to daughter. So that was one of the reasons why the women were in charge in that society. Mm -hmm. um, and her mother had died, right? Yes, her yeah. mother was killed when the visitors started showing up. And explain the visitors okay. again and how so, she saw them. So she saw them as people that looked completely different and super advanced. They were traveling in these travel spheres where they could, they used a stealth technology. They were from Atlantis and they were using these, all my clients describe it the same way, these travel spheres that could float. They had like large fans underneath them that used this type of conductivity with magnets and it would suck in energy and then propel the vehicle. They use propulsion all the time. But anyway, they were traveling these travel spheres and then when they came, they said that they were part of this prophecy this legend that everybody in Lemuria had learned about, the legend of the two sisters. So that was what they said when they first arrived. And they were looking for help because they had a virus that was plaguing their community. It was killing a lot of people. So they came to Lemuria with this problem. And were they basically conning the locals with this 
this two sisters story prophecy it was a con and there was something else that jen talked about and that was a certain type of crystal that was being used in lemuria for a myriad of purposes share that so the lemurians had these red crystals that would help them keep immunity and they would have issues like um you know old age and and um animals if they attacked or pain you know whatever but trauma they, right but they didn't die of illnesses because they had a special immunity that was given to them with these red crystals but the atlanteans didn't know how to use the red crystals and a lot of them have been taken away from them and so they were they knew that the lemurians had some sort of special power and they really wanted to find out what it was so they had been studying the lemurians for a long time before they made themselves known so they made themselves known um now as i understand it jen had her mother had passed because of this these these invaders she was killed so jen really only had a very short amount of time where she was in any position to have any say in society before she was taken yes so they said they wanted the crystals they got angry after a while and they killed the mother and then jen refused of course and they they acted like they were just about to give up and they left and that is when the wave came that destroyed the whole civilization of lemuria and she was taken out before that and this is really important because this comes up in a lot of your clients and a lot of people at large have this terror they don't even want to hear about tsunamis they're terrified of drowning on a subconscious level and don't know why and um you you have a an uh hypothesis that part of it is from these ancient traumas that we've experienced collectively in these mass extinction events right yeah so she did not live through that mass extinction she did not live through the tsunami because they'd taken her out right but she was made to continually watch it they would they made her watch it over and over again and then it was part of her torture so she was a prisoner in atlantis for over 60 years and part of her torture was to watch it over and over again they would um because she had a little daughter as I she recall. had a little daughter that was killed in the flood and in the wave and by the wave but they would also do things where they would bring in slaves from atlantis and they would fill this area with water and then they would raise her up and make her watch them kill the slaves so they did a lot of torturous things to her to try to get her to break to tell them how to use the red crystals and to tell them you know how how they could have this immunity there were a couple things going on in addition to that um and, and we'll get back to that um there were also she she noticed that they were doing experiments with certain kind of hybridized creatures and many people who have studied ancient atlantis um have heard these tales of the hybrids of the creatures that later maybe became known as gods right, right? right. um pan like creatures and such so let's talk about her observations of atlantean life including of these creatures but her general observations of atlantean life when she arrived there well obviously she was biased and she didn't like them very much right. but she found them to be very cold people that were um very scientific and into their technology and she noticed as well as many of my other clients noticed the um hybridization that they were doing and the experiments and um one of the reasons for the uh for the issues with these animal people was they had they developed a vaccine um because they needed to eradicate this virus that was killing off everybody but it was different than now they didn't use a needle they would cut a slit in the arm and put this um vaccine into uh the person and then cover up cover it up with this putty like material but they gave this vaccine to everyone and it was animal derived it had animal dna some of it was cat yes it had the feline, feline species dna all different types of dna but they needed to do this so they could give they it to so many people yeah and they yes. were experimenting to, experimenting to see which was more effective more compatible right. with human beings tell tell us the nature of what she saw as the virus itself how how that virus and illness was affecting the 
the civilization. It was killing off a lot of their population until they developed this vaccine. And um, they were burning the bodies everywhere. And that's why many of my clients describe this smog when they would regress to Atlantis. And she even described the smog as well. But that was from the bodies being burned. So the high, you're saying that some of the mutations or mutants occurred because of the vaccine itself, because it was using animal yes. DNA and it was causing problems in future generations who survived? It wasn't um, the people that received the vaccine. And at first it looked like this huge success. It looked like it stopped this virus right. and everybody was so excited. But it wasn't until the first set of babies started being born with these devastating side effects. There were babies being born with missing limbs or they had animal parts. And that didn't seem to be a, such a big deal until the babies grew up and started causing violence or they had all different kinds of issues. They weren't fitting in And they society. weren't fitting in. Mm -hmm. And so now this, is, this becomes a really interesting part in the story. So now you're among hypnotherapists because right. that's what you do. You know, uh -huh. you go to conferences, you regress people. You were also going through training at one point for these higher master levels. So at one point you were regressed. Right. And you went back into the situation in Atlantis that was contending with how to deal fairly with the mutants. So tell us who you were what you experienced and what you finally came to realize. I didn't know that I had a part in the story at all until I was regressed. I was um, helping uh, Julia Cannon, Dolores Cannon's daughter in Miami. And uh, as part of the class, somebody was regressing me to practice on me. Yeah. And I went, to the, I went to a past life at Atlantis where I was a judge. And my job was basically to sort through thousands and thousands of cases and figure out who could stay and who could go. Among the mutants. Among the mutants. Because some were more able to live alongside society, mm -hmm. right? The ones that were violent or were causing destructive um, behavior, they were, I was told that they would go to this island where there was a facility and they were, you know, would be given help and things like that. But what I didn't know was that that was a lie. They were really being all murdered. Now, you, you eventually, with two other people mm -hmm. who were in this capacity, right. went to this island. So let's talk about your experience, because this was all a reveal, the big reveal to you, because you didn't even know you were going here. So I decided that I really wanted to see this island, because we had sent thousands and thousands of mutated uh, children and adults to this island, where we were told they were given a better life. And I really wanted to see where all these people went. And when I got there, there were no people. There was just dust. Meanwhile, I'm doing this regression in front of the whole class in Miami, and people are coughing in the audience. They're coughing and they're sobbing because they were there. I didn't know this while I was being regressed, but um, I realized that they were all murdered. And this regression wasn't just for me. It was a group regression. As we later found out yes so now you you've come to realize that you were being lied to the entire time right and you know what's happening to the bodies mm -hmm. and then what happens do you go back did, did your regression go i can't remember if it went beyond that where you returned to the land and told right. your findings well and we we all went back and we wanted to help as many people as we could and to stop this but i was pretty much so devastated <laughs> that my heart gave out and I had a heart attack. And that's mm -hmm. basically why I'm here again, just to shed light into what happened and try to help these people once again. Right. And now what about Jen? So now let's pick back up where her story, it hasn't ended yet. So let's right. pick back up with her story. So as she was a prisoner in there, they did so many different experiments on her and she witnessed everything going on and she she was given a helper and this helper was somebody that she knew she could pass this information on to okay and that helper was to retain those records so to speak mm -hmm. okay and ultimately i mean ultimately she she did die she d died 
they gave her tiny bits of freedom, but not really. I mean, right. They always had an eye on her and controlled her. But what she did see during her few walks during the day was just this beautiful city. I mean, Atlantis was amazing. And they had different moats that they used for their water filtration system. I mean, it was really interesting how they used, it was almost like a triple osmosis filter. And they would propel the salt out. So they would have the salt on one side and then fresh water on the other side in the inner Early desalinization Yeah, exactly. Units. Exactly. Interesting. And the different flying vessels where they use yes. propulsion and magnets and yes. different... Um, conductivity agents and so she was really fascinated with it almost like a guilty awe when she would walk around the city during the day but she never really got to have contact with the ordinary citizens she, didn't. she just stayed in with those who were policing her so yes. her feelings of course are very very negative about who the Atlanteans were right. because she was exposed to nothing but cruelty so that's where you almost have to then pick up with other people who lived in Atlantis elsewhere or at other times to start piecing together the rest. Right, exactly. And so you have other clients. Now, there's one man I want to get back to who quickly regressed into that scene where he's in Atlantis. He's saying, I don't get it. I thought it was, where are all the blue skies? And it was smoky. The air was smoky and smelt fetid. Right. So he regressed to this time where it he knew it was very advanced, but it looked ancient at the same time. And we did not know he was in Atlantis at right. all, but he was in quarantine because there was a virus that was plaguing the city. And he was more afraid of the dictator, the leader, than of this virus. And it was very fascinating because I've had other clients regress to that time and explain, you know, the virus. And, and they remember the smell in the air the from smell. the bodies being burned mm -hmm. and such. So now you and Jim decided you're going to continue on this, right? So that was the that's the first book you wrote. And right. now you're continuing to do regressions into the times of Atlantis. Are you going into Lemuria too, or mostly Atlantis now? Mostly Atlantis. And let's talk about some of the entries. Not, this book is in the making, but let's talk about some of the new information coming forward. We've really been learning about other planets and about how other planets go through their ice age, which led to us looking more into the ice age on this planet. And what we learned was there's so many underground tunnels where it housed a lot of people, hybrids, during those the time of the ice age is really fascinating. Just what people had to do back in those days. And We've also been learning more about Mount Shasta and the people in Mount Shasta and Telos and Toth. Toth is really, he has really been coming up a lot more recently. Go into some detail about each of these since it's going to be a while before the book's out. I know. Um, well, I've so had first of so all, the notion clients. of, uh, yeah, because Toth, you're getting Toth, this from yeah. different clients mm -hmm. that don't know each other. So let's start with um, Ice Ages and the tunnel system. I assume it's constructed so people can connect with one another and whatever supplies are for survival are needed. Yes. So it has to be a certain, there have to be, the species has to have certain features to be able to survive underground. They definitely did. They were, it was mostly for the hybrid beings because they didn't want them to, you know, perish during this time. The ice age was needed because the earth really needed cooling off because it was just a time where they really, the earth itself, really needed to cool down and to start over, to rebuild. And it took I, thousands of years. Yeah, I mean, this happens periodically. It does. So, and so, even on other planets. Yes. And what's really fascinating is when other clients go to, go to these other planets, they can find the same technology in the same um, cities as Atlantis. So you can tell that Atlantis was built as a replica, almost, of these other civilizations on other planets, which is really fascinating. Yes, and in, in the work of some people, it's been said that there are as many as 400,000 human civilizations throughout the cosmos. Oh, I wouldn't doubt it. And, and this is the, that this human form is the most preferred form because of its functionality. Right. And just furthering that, um, each of these species then has to essentially adapt to the environment they're in adapt to whatever the chemical structure and atmospheric structure of whatever planet they're on. But essentially, 
whether it's tall, whether it's short, whether it's pale, whether it's dark, it's still the humanoid form, supposedly, throughout the cosmos. Yes. And they they would, and one thing I remember that um, my own soul tribe uh, told me one time is they said, when you're looking at all these anomalies and wondering how all this happened, instead of being so confused over it, if you can understand one thing, it would be very helpful. And that is that there has always been air travel since the beginning of your time, because other beings from other places that have these technologies have always been there. So it's always been easy to move groups of people around to be able to move artifacts and materials and such around that it's always been possible because there's always been these technologies. Yes, and I've been told that it's really important for us as humans to finally understand who we are and why we're here. And who we really are is for all ancient groupings of beings that have traveled from planet to planet to find out what the next and the next will be. And to really go inwards and realize that we're not alone, that we're these powerful beings. And we're here for the experience. And every experience that we have benefits everyone. Absolutely. So go ahead, just give us a little bit more of what you and Jen are uncovering as a tease (laughs) for the next time we get together. Oh my gosh, so much. I mean, we're also uh, finding out more about the new earth and just the ascension process. Let's talk about the new earth a bit. So, okay, this is really fascinating. I've had so many clients that are um, women that have already, they're postmenopausal, and they come in to have sessions with me because they feel pregnant and they don't understand what's going on. And in their sessions, they find out that they are indeed pregnant, pregnant with hybrid, hybrid beings that are seeding this new earth. Because as beings, we've all been going from one planet to the next, We need a backup planet. We always do. So there's another backup planet in the making, and that is what people call the new earth. I will say this. I just did a, I just did a private uh, grouping uh, discussion on this recently. That's the same thing that my beings told us about 40 years ago. Oh, wow. They did. They said there is a second earth that has already been prepared for these times. And so there's no, not to look at it in it with any form of kind of hierarchy or judgment. It's that there would come a time where the consciousness would split to the extent where we would need two environments to continue developing mm-hmm. in our own way. Mm-hmm. So you're now seeing this too. Right. And not just with Jen, with so many other times. Please talk about this and what they've had to say from their, through their lenses. So what I have found from sessions is that there's two different situations going on there's some people that will literally move from this earth to that new earth and then there's some people that will literally create a new earth on this planet so it's it's really what your soul chose before you incarnated interesting one of the one time i looked into that i i just did a deep meditation said show me you know if there's something to see what is the new earth like and it was interesting in that well it was newer in that it did not have uh, certainly it didn't have any kind of modern structures or anything and it did not have any modern technology it had the same kind of human technology that we all carry with us and it had people who understood how to create homes and communities and so forth but there was no modern technology and I found that interesting because it was down to just working on ourselves and our connection with one another. You know, that's funny because no one has mentioned the technology on the new earth. Yeah, I didn't so see it. that's really fascinating. And I know Hank Wesselman, bless his soul, he has passed on recently. Hank Wesselman went into the future and it was the same thing. He did not see, there was no technology. Now, now his was the future glimpse of, he thought this earth. But it's very interesting when you go into these other realms, it is hard, and this isn't making an excuse for what he saw, I saw, or anyone else saw. Sometimes when you detach from this realm and go into that other part of your mind mm-hmm. that is more part of all, it is very hard to determine where exactly you are. That's why in regressions, right. it's so hard to say, gee, I'm, uh, I'm, uh, where am I living, or what is my name? That part's hard to come up with. Yeah. I find it myself having been in regressions. That part's hard, but you can kind of 
explain what you're engaging with, what it looks like, how people are behaving, and what they're saying. Mm -hmm. Talk about that a little bit. Names are hard to get because you really aren't using that part of your mind when you're in regression. So even Dolores Cannon said that names were hard to get. I can get the names sometimes through the subconscious, and sometimes a name will come to the client after they wake up in the morning, but it's known fact that it's hard to get during regression. It is, and I used to feel terrible about thinking, God, why am I hiding the name from myself? I could not get names. And when it came to the end times of one phase of Atlantis, as you know, Dolores Cannon um, did regress me, and I'm in her book, Convoluted Universe 2. Forgotten the page, but it's the, the television lady that she speaks of, and it's, it goes on quite a bit in detail about the loss of life at that time and the loss of our will to continue to live and repopulate the planet if we had the memory of what had just happened. So speak to that a little bit because I think you and Jen are bumping into these other destruction periods too. She went to that time period and tried to find out more information about it and it looked like it was so devastating for the people involved because it really set humanity back quite a long way. It did. Uh, in, my, in fact, it's, I think it's in the book. Uh, Dolores captured it. Um, and I said, that's what I was saying. It was, I was, by this time, I was crying. And I said, We're, we've somehow ruined our relationship to the sun. The matrix of the delicate energy built between the earth and the sun has been ruined. And we're going to sleep for a very long time. And she said, to sleep? I said, yeah, all of us. And when she asked why, I said, because if we do remember what we've just lost, which we lost everything, um, we've blasted ourselves back to the Stone Ages, so to speak. That's a whole other story. But um, we would not have any incentive to reincarnate. It's going to take too long to rebuild, to remember, <laughs> reconnect again. <laughs> it was just going to take too long. It would be very discouraging on us all. So our memories were wiped. What's really fascinating about this time that we're living in is the knowledge and information has come up to the surface. Yes. And you can even tell through regression because even back when Dolores was doing this work, most of her clients would be completely unconscious. Yes. And nowadays, because the brain has evolved so much, the information and all this knowledge is right at the surface. We can go further into it. Mm -hmm. And what people don't seem to realize is that they're less, they feel less unconscious these days during these sessions, sessions yes. because they, their brain has evolved so that they are almost becoming their higher selves. It's super exciting. Yeah, that is. The knowledge is here now. It's acceptable and we can find out so much these days. Absolutely. You're in a unique position. You have a lot of clients. So you're getting these reflections from all around. Mm -hmm. So what would you say, we just have a minute or two left. What would you say are the kind of top two or three patterns of information that is validating, validating one another coming in right now? Well, I would say that we are not alone in our memories of recounting our times in Atlantis and Lemuria. We're all back here again thousands and thousands of years later because the time is ripe for us to release the stored trauma within our minds and our yes. soul. And it's easy to do that now. It's acceptable. We can connect with other people and we can really heal as a collective now. Yeah. Absolutely. Anything else besides our Lemurian and Atlantean roots together coming up? Well, like you said, Ice Ages. Yes. The fact that people have been on other planets, that's also coming mm -hmm. up. Any other thing? Or shall we leave it at that for now? Oh, my gosh. Everything is so fascinating. I just want to know everything. But there's just too much to say. I know there is. I know there is. And we decided we were going to confine this conversation to this story. But your new book will be out before too terribly long, and I'll have mm -hmm. you back on the show. Thank you. Thank you so much, Sarah. And thank you for doing the lovely work you do. And thank Jen for us as well. No, thank uh, for you, being to Regina. Go deep into some really, really uncomfortable stuff. Uh, it was pure torture for her, a lot of it. So appreciate that. Thank you. Again, no. Sarah's book is titled A Hypnotist's Journey to Atlantis, a chronicling of Jen's regression and others. You can also reach out to Sarah at holistichypnotist.com. Until next time, thank you for joining Holistic us here what? on Open Minds. Holistic hypnotist. Hmm. Well, what do you know? So, um, navigating ET contact. We don't need to see that. 
Would you recommend this video? Yeah, sure, man. Okie doke. Are you still there? Yes, you are. Hello. Hello there. Thanks for tuning in to the Just of a Governator show. I do arts, politics, AF, comedy, and music. So, if you dug this, go check out it. I have a bunch of Gaia related shows and <clears throat> subscribe if you know how to do that and you can write me a five star review you can uh, if you want to support my work everything I do please go sign my move on petition to indict Trump and expel the GOP for, for insurrection it's at https colon slash slash bit dot ly slash 3ka1mmd a shout out to KAMP at the U of A student radio and also KPYT Pasquayaki tribe. Yes, our neighbors love the neighbors and a shout out to Tona Otham as well. Howdy. Um, hit me up if you want to broadcast my show on the res, man. It'd be an honor. Anyway, please wear a mask. And especially in public indoor spaces, and uh, look out for each other, be good, but not too good. And call Congress 202-224-3121 and demand insurrection charges for Mr. Trump and Thomas 200 GOP, who orchestrated the January 6th insurrection. Tell your Congress members there's such thing. Yeah, tell them to read the fucking 14th Amendment, which bars... Insurrectionist from office. Read the four. What does the Fourteenth Amendment say? Ask them if they know what the fucking Fourteenth Amendment says about insurrectionists holding office, and um, tell them to expel. Expel those mofos. Anyway, see you next time. Bye. See you on the side of the side of the river.